We must separate the college track from the professional track by ending one and done. We call on the NBA and the NBPA, who exclusively have power here, to once again make 18-year-olds eligible for the NBA draft. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. That was the former United States Secretary of State, Condoleezza Rice, earlier today, upon releasing her committee's 60-page report. It was called the Commission on College Basketball. Former college hoops players, including David Robinson and Grant Hill, former college basketball coaches, some current college administrators, Condoleezza Rice herself, led this 12-person committee. They put out a 60-page report, and we welcome your calls, NBA playoffs, the Bruins-Leafs Game 7, the NFL Draft, three great guests still to come, Naheem Hines from the Wolfpack, who will be selected at some point soon in the NFL Draft, Tim Reynolds of the Associated Press on the ongoing NBA playoffs, quadruple header tonight, Chris Nashawadi, a special guest in our third hour, he's the author of the new Caddyshack book released just yesterday, Darren will have not only Caddyshack audio to help us honor this new release, but Darren, I will give you, I will pad your paycheck if you manage to sneak into today's bump music, songs from the Caddyshack movie. I am preliminarily impressed that you as a 20-something know that movie as well as you do. It was made in 1980. So you already get full credit for that. If you can drop in, you know, a certain Journey song that Al Cervix slash Rodney Dangerfield played from his oversized golf bag from the fairway at Bushwood Country Club, alienating Judge Smales slash Ted Knight in the process. If you can get that song in today, maybe a particular Kenny Loggins song, you will get extra credit in the eyes of the host of today's program. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket in on these important matters and many others. Chris Nashawati, third hour, Naheem Hines of the Wolfpack, NFL bound, dynamic star player all ACC and track and football third hour as well Tim Reynolds of the AP on the NBA playoffs in about 35 minutes 1-800-849-2761 the commission called college basketball deeply troubled the commission also referred to the environment surrounding the sport as quote a toxic mix of perverse incentives to cheat and actually says the blame for current problems goes in their eyes all the way up to university presidents and chancellors themselves. One thing the commission did not advocate in today's 60-page report was abandoning the NCAA's amateurism model. Anyone hoping to see that will be disappointed. They are clearly not in favor of the pay-for-play model, even as they are in favor of some, I would call some minor tweaks to the equation and other things, major changes to the way things are done in college basketball. If you care about college sports generally, if you care about college basketball more specifically, you'll want to check out this report or at least the highlights as it was announced today, presented to the Board of Governors, presented to the D1 Board of Directors. Mark Emmert, NCAA president, says he wants new legislation on these proposals in place by August of this year, meaning it would apply to the upcoming college basketball season. That is nothing like the usual glacier-like pace of NCAA rules. In fact, it is the opposite. This is the cheetah version, symbolism intended. That's cheetah the animal, C-H-E-E-T-A-H, not cheater, which is part of the problem with college sports in the first place. They looked at five areas, NBA draft rules, and you heard Condi there say, she is against the one-and-done phenomenon. Not all of you care. Some of you say, well, I don't love it, but it only involves a relatively small number of players. Whatever, keep moving. Others, 
You just can't jibe it with your view of how college sports is supposed to work. These future millionaires masquerading in some cases as college basketball players for a semester or two before jumping to the NBA draft after barely getting to know you and maybe your favorite university. NBA draft rules slash one and done. Not a novel idea from Condi. Just go back to 18-year-olds being eligible. That is fully plowed territory that they revisited in this 60-page report. They also looked into player-agent relationships. They looked into non-scholastic basketball. What does that mean? If you're recruiting a player through his high school, that's scholastic basketball. You watch his high school games. You talk to his high school coach. You talk to the young man and his family. That's recruiting through scholastic basketball, which is the way it was for decades. Nowadays, and for a long time, it has also been recruiting through summer basketball. Those are not sanctioned by your high schools or your equivalent of, say, the North Carolina High School Athletic Association, right? This is AAU, not only AAU, but put it under the broader topic of summer basketball, non-scholastic basketball. A lot of the wrongdoing has taken place there. The high school part of the recruiting tends to be a lot less dirty, and a lot of coaches and the NCAA want to see more of the high school-related recruitment less of the shoe company AAU coach guy on the corner with the raincoat and dark glasses type of the part of the equation. They looked at apparel companies' roles in all this. Obviously, this committee was a byproduct of the FBI investigation into college basketball. Mark Emmert, NCAA president, asked for this committee, and today they gave the product of their six or seven months of work since he formed it late last year. They also looked at NCAA enforcement and how – at that level, they can be a part of the solution. Here are the, again, unlike the one-and-done replowed territory, here are some of the new ideas. I welcome your thoughts, and I'll certainly share mine. They want, on the player-agent relationship part, this commission in its 60-page report today said it believes that the NCAA should create a certification program and allow access by agents to these college basketball prospects and players dating all the way back to their time in high school. Now, I know the initial reaction for some of you you is going to say, wait a minute, if it's already a problem, these dirty, rotten agents who lead these guys astray to the point that you have twice as many guys turning pro early that can possibly be drafted in the NBA, isn't that largely a byproduct of bad advice from agents and those who work for them? Maybe, but put that on the back burner. My response to the skeptics would be this. The Condoleezza Rice Commission idea is a good one because it would bring above the table something that is already happening left and right below the table. And if you, the NCAA, create a certification program, only these agents and their representatives get access to these high school prospects who are committing to these college programs and later signing with them and playing for them, you insert yourself into a process that right now at the high school level has led to things like the allegations of shoe companies using an NC State coach to help the Dennis Smith Jr. family collect tens of thousands of dollars. So now you've got eligibility issues, NC State might end up with NCAA issues, shoe company executives are dealing with an FBI investigation and criminal accusations. If you take the agent part of it above board, NCAA certification process, you, I believe, if you're a realist, 
You're simply taking the ugly underbelly under the table stuff and shining some light on it and asking the agent part of the equation to be more accountable and subject to your supervision, the NCAA. Agents aren't going to like that, but you, the NCAA, have the ability to pull something off. We'll see again if today's proposal results in actual legislation by the end of this summer. They also, this was also relatively new. The committee says that the NCAA should run its own summer events. The NBA Players Association took a few steps down this path when they were tired of the AAU folks having all the control, and they were tired of the college coaches and the NBA having less influence than the guy on the corner with the raincoat and dark sunglasses. The proposal today says, why don't you, the NCAA, just sanction summer events? If the AAU events and other summer basketball tournaments are not willing to go through a vetting process that showcases where do they get their money? How much are they paying their coaches? Are they really funneling unrealistic amounts of money mysteriously to the father or mother of this star prospect so that they'll sign with this shoe company later? If your summer basketball tournament in this proposal does not pass the vetting process, your transparency, where's your money coming from, How? what are you giving these players, what are you not giving these players, if it doesn't pass the NCAA's vetting process, The NCAA won't sanction your AAU or other summer tournament. That doesn't mean you can't have it, but they can tell the NCAA coaches you're not allowed to go to those events. Players want to be seen by coaches, right? If the NCAA throws more of these parties itself, it's making those rules, and if the NCAA has a vetting process for others to throw these summer events, again, they get more control. Theoretically, you're bringing more under-the-table stuff in a more transparent manner, onto the table, and theoretically, you have less corruption. Nothing eliminates all corruption. We know that. Less corruption than in the current system. One other proposal that I think has made sense for a long time, not novel, and the NCAA has had a lot of support for this at times. If you enter the NBA draft and go undrafted, you should remain eligible to return to college. I am fully in support of David Robinson, Grant Hill, Condoleezza Rice, and the rest of that committee this morning saying, what's the downside here? The NBA wins. The NBA has already said, we don't have enough room for all these guys. Even when you count the G League, their developmental league, their AAA, if you will, we don't have enough for this 150-plus guys turning pro early. We like a couple dozen. We think they can really play. There's another few dozen who intrigue us. There's another few dozen that we can see ticketed for the G League, but we really can't handle 150 to 200 guys coming out early on top of the guys who are already eligible internationally or as college seniors. There's no downside that I see for the colleges themselves. Oh, the guy didn't get picked? Oh, we get him for his junior, senior, or sophomore year. What's the downside there? That's good news for the college. Good news for the young man. He's not forced to go back to college if he's undrafted. It's just good old-fashioned American freedom. Right now, if you're undrafted, you've exhausted your eligibility because you stayed in the draft, right? This proposal would give the young man more freedom, the NBA more of what it wants. Oh, he's not ready now, but I'd love to watch him play at your school for another year, and maybe we'll draft him next year. Everybody wins in that proposal, and you don't say that often when it comes to the triangle of the college coaches, the the NCAA itself, the NBA, the NBA Players Association, etc. That might be more of a square, but you get the idea. 
another somewhat new concept. The Condoleezza Rice Commission on College Basketball wants more severe sanctions more frequently. Now listen to this because I already know where the NCAA critics will end up on this. A lot of people both say, I want bigger sanctions for coaches and schools where there is wrongdoing. And then they later say, I don't like these innocent young men being penalized when they had nothing to do with the wrongdoing. Picture the scenario, right? Darren's the clean coach running Podug State University's basketball program. You recruit guys, and they all do things the right way. You all follow the rules. I was your predecessor coach at our mythical Podunk State, and I was lying, cheating, cutting corners. I had escort party scandals. I invited all the players, the recruits, and their coaches, and I went myself, and I got caught. You cannot be in favor, and many of you say you are, and you don't realize that you're speaking out of both sides of your mouth. Personally, I don't care which side of the fence you come on. There are defensible positions to take on both sides. But you cannot say both, I'm in favor of sledgehammers, right? I want the school to be held accountable. I want, and and the, the Condoleezza Rice Commission this morning says, it's in favor of lifetime bans for coaches who are caught violating major rules on purpose. Not accidental stuff, but lifetime bans. That's new. They have something called a show-cause penalty right now. A lifetime ban is a lot more serious than a show-cause penalty. Plenty of guys. Bruce Pearl, Todd Bozeman. There are a lot of guys who had a show-cause penalty and ended up coaching college basketball again. Lifetime ban is lifetime ban. They're also in favor, says the committee, of a of up to a five-year postseason ban. If your school did enough things egregiously wrong, they believe one tool in the toolbox should be a five-year postseason ban where your school's not allowed to play in the NCAA tournament or anything else, and you're prohibited from collecting any of your share of the money from those five years of NCAA tournaments. Now... You have to pick a side. You either want more sledgehammers or you don't want the innocent bystanders caught up in the sledgehammer. Darren, if I did all the bad stuff and you and your players, you succeeded me as the head coach at Poto State, you and your players did nothing wrong. My crazy parties were like when they were 12 years old. You hadn't even started recruiting them. But I got caught later and you were the head coach when the NCAA sanctions came down. Can you imagine you're getting a five-year ban that hits your program for stuff I did wrong, and you have to look in the eyes of all your players and say, guys, even though I, your coach, had nothing to do with this at all, and even though none of you had were even thinking of attending Podunk State back when this bad stuff happened, we are pre- prevented from going to the next five NCAA tournaments. Meanwhile, your AD is pulling his or her hair out because that's five years' worth of multi-million dollar checks that they're not allowed to collect. You ha- you, if you want a sledgehammer frequently to this size, you have to be willing to hit the coaches that hard, and you have to be willing to allow for the innocent player to be impacted. Now, my proposal would be, Darren, you the coach under the current rules, you're already calling your agent and shopping yourself around, right? Podunk State's about to get hit, but you could go get another job, and everybody knows you weren't around for the wrongdoing. You're clean, so you get another job somewhere else. 
I would I would argue that there should be a rule that says your players should be able to do the same thing. Your school is hammered. It's still not beautiful, right? Those moms and dads and players are still going to say, mean old NCAA, I can't believe you're hitting us when we didn't do any of the bad stuff. <laughs> you cannot both argue for more severe NCAA sanctions and say, I don't like when the innocent players get impacted. You have to stop that. You're being a hypocrite, you're straddling the fence, and you're lying about the reality of the situation to yourself. You have to get off the fence. I say bring down the hammers. Not in all situations. I, I don't want a coach to be expected to know everything, for example. But when there's evidence, evidence he actively participated in some of the worst wrongdoing, I have no problem with a lifetime ban. And when a higher official is involved in actively violating major NCAA rules, coach, AD, even assistant coach, etc., I have no problem with using the threat of a two, three, four, five-year postseason ban. For those who don't know, in modern NCAA basketball history, a really severe penalty is considered a one-year postseason ban. This proposal this morning says... For the biggest violations, when they're done on purpose by high-ranking officials, level one, they call them, how about a five-year postseason ban where you can't play in that event at all, or those events, and you don't get any of the mega millions either for five years? Now, that's a hell of a disincentive for cheating. Doesn't mean you'll stop them all. You never will. There's no set of rules. Did the Ten Commandments stop everybody from lying, cheating, stealing, and, you know, looking at each other's wives a certain way? Hell no. Those 10 rules don't stop any of that stuff. We know that. The idea is to have disincentives that make sense in the NCAA context. And in that sense, I like some of the commission's recommendations. They also believe that the NCAA should outsource its biggest cases. Like your compliance staff is just a bunch of Keystone cops when it comes to the harder stuff. Find a way to get professionals almost like a pseudo-criminal-like arbitrator off to the side, farm it out to somebody who's better at getting to the truth and finding out what really happened in this scandal or that. I like more of the recommendations that I saw than I dislike. Again, not all of them new, but it is a pretty pivotal moment uh, as many see it in the NCAA for the future of college basketball.